0: Well, hello everybody, and I hope you are ready for First John chapter 2. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we come to you, we are grateful for your word, and we are grateful that John loves you so much that he cared enough to write these words to kind of keep us on track. So may we go into it today just believing that this is your word, and there is nothing else that compares, and this is all we need. And we will give you truly all the praise and the glory. We adore you. We love you. We worship you, even in our study. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as we open our Bibles and we, um, I pray you've read the chapter. I hope you've read it maybe a number of times, and you have watched, you you've you've kind of sensed that John is really trying to talk to the believers and say, but this is what can happen if you are not careful. I mean. Our walk, our relationship with Jesus is so critical and it can go off track so quickly that we have to have a desire and we have to have a a real discipline and mindset to keep that walk and that relationship with him in its proper place. And you think, well, that's not so hard. Well, you know, it really is because we can get lax. We can get lazy in our Bible study. We can do a quick divorce, devotional and, and not, not really take the time of studying the way we're used to doing it. Um, we, can, we can have the mindset that, that we have been a Christian for so many years and, and, and that, oh, no, I won't have any trouble with this. But, you know, in our world and in our day and age right now, it's so easy to let our ears get tuned in to what everybody's listening to, and we have to choose to want to listen to the voice of God, the truth of God. And that is his word, and he has given that to us. But again, how are we going to know and hear unless we are making the time, putting forth the effort, having the desire... To want to learn now, John in this chapter, and I read it last week just to kind of get you thinking about it. But John is making a he he says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. I think many of us, when we when we first read that line, we think, well, you know, that sounds good, John, but the 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 reality of that is just impossible that you will not sin. I'm going to sin. You're going to sin. But I think we've got to take a look at this, that John wouldn't have said it if he didn't know for a fact that it is possible. It is possible not to sin. And that is God's desire for us, dear children. And that's why we're dressed as that. Dear children, our Father is talking to us. And his desire for us. And, and if you love someone, don't you want to please him? Don't you want to do what he's asked you to do? Don't you trust his counsel? He knows what's best for us. And he is saying that my desire for you is that you don't sin. And you have to think, all right, and like I mentioned last week, we don't sin all the time. I think every one of us can say, no, I don't sin all the time. Well then, if we are not sinning, what, what does our life look like when we know we're not sinning? And it's like what we studied last week. It's that, it's that walk. It's that relationship. It's, it's that we know we're in the right place with our Savior. We know that we are working at this. We know we're listening to his spirit instead of the world's voice. We know you can just sense when you're right with the Lord. And when you're right with the Lord, John is going to make sure we see when you're right with the Lord, then you're right with people. And if you're not right with people... Then there probably is something wrong with your walk in your relationship with the Lord. And so He's gonna really make sure we see that. Okay, so when we're not sinning, we know we're in the right place with Jesus. Okay, what does make us sin? Well, it is our own self, it is it is that power within us that just wants our own way, and we really don't care about anything else it's just and unfortunately it's it's the voice that's so appealing it's the voice that that just wants to react to it. it it's just the voice that's so loud now if you want spiritual victory and that is not sinning not going against what god has asked and commanded When you are walking with the Lord, when you have that spiritual victory, it's because you are utilizing the one resource that he's given us. That's Jesus himself and his spirit that now works within us. And do you realize that that's a resource that never will be taken away from us? It's a resource that that will never run out that's why we have no excuse we have we have no one to blame but ourselves when we don't utilize the resource that we've been given so that we don't sin and then again be very mindful that when we let our guard down or when we listen to that loud voice that's screaming that voice of self that we realize That is what puts us in the wrong place. And then John goes on to say, because he understands human nature, he knows himself, it's not that he's allowing us and giving us an excuse, so, oh, God wants us not to sin, but, you know, you're gonna, so don't even think about not doing it. No, he wants you and I to think about that. But when we do fall short because of our human nature, when self does get in the way sometimes, and it just shouldn't make you so disgusted with yourself, but when you do fall into that self-trap, you talk about a grace and mercy verse when you hear John say, but if anybody does, then we have one, one, who speaks to the Father in our defense. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. John is reminding us of what a gift we have. One that we didn't deserve. But a gift that not only saves us, but that can also keep us on track. Keep us in that right relationship that is critical when we wear that label Christian, we need that right relationship with him. And it does take work. And so he's just, he's just saying, because John loves to go back to the beginning. And we see that word so often used in the Gospel of John and, and in his letters because he loves, he loves saying, let's go back to the beginning and so when he says to us and, and reassures us that, that when we do fall, when we do fall into ourself and even though we get disgusted with ourself, you're not, you're not losing your salvation. It's not that he stops loving you. No, this is the gift. He will, if we repent, if we realize what we have done and we are sorry We saw last week that if we confess our sin, he is so faithful and he is so just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So John in this second chapter pretty much reminds us of that again. We do have someone who has taken on all sin. He says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He has taken on the sins of yours, mine, and actually the whole world. Well, does that mean everybody's saved? No. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Now that he gave for the world. He gave for everyone. But then, like we have said many times in that verse, God did his part, but the whosoever now turns it into what are we going to do about it? He died for everyone. His atoning sacrifice is for all. But you have to make the effort you've got to make the choice. You've got to see yourself as one that needs an atoning sacrifice. One that needs to see that in and of yourself, you could never save yourself. So don't be misled by that by that line that that he. His atoning sacrifice was for sins and for the sins of yours and mine and the whole world. That doesn't mean everyone is saved. Only those who have come needy before the cross and realize that their only hope is Jesus. I say that every week, don't I? I say that every time I teach a lesson, it seems to always come back to that. But instead of feeling embarrassed about that, after studying John this past week so much in the second chapter, he repeats, he goes back to the beginning, and I think sometimes that is our greatest remedy for sin is when the temptation is being dangled in front of us. And instead of falling to that temptation, we go back to the beginning. And where is our beginning? At the cross of Christ. And we go back and we remember that day when he saved us. John goes on in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him Now, know him. I just want to make sure, too, that we don't get caught in that, well, we know about him. And I'm sure you've even heard that before, but I want you to really think about the difference between just knowing about him and even knowing a bunch of facts, even knowing a bunch of scripture verses, and you know all about, about him because you've been in church all your life. But what John is saying here is that knowing about and knowing him and that's what he's trying to explain to us about are you walking with him? Everything that you do and say is he right there so that that you hear him saying no, not this or yes, this or Are you in such a communication with him that that he's just, I mean, you know he lives inside of you, but but are you actually walking with him so that, that you're conversing and that you're communicating and you're listening to his wisdom because he knows exactly what you and I can and cannot do. When you know him, you are in that kind of relationship. And you are listening. You know him. It's intimate. It's, it's, you are all involved in him. And maybe some of you right now are thinking, well, that's a little bit over the top. I mean, I have my separate life. No, Jesus is your life. It's just not some, something that you plug into when it's convenient or on a certain day. When you're in the right relationship, when you know him, he is just a part of all your thoughts and all your words and all of your actions. That is what enables you not to sin. When you really know him. And that's what John says. How can you tell if you just know about him or whether you really know him? Well, you check on how much you will obey his commands. We know that we have come to know him if you only really are in that kind of close relationship if we obey his commands. And again, how are you going to know what his commands are for you unless you are listening and reading and studying and wanting to desire to know? The man who says, I know him. The man who says, I know him. But does not do what he commands is a liar. And John goes even as far to say this, and and I think this verse is so powerful. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is not only a liar, but also the truth is not in him. The truth is not in him. You can say, words are cheap. You can say, oh, I know him. But if you are not following through with his commands, through his word, because you have a desire and a very big interest to know what he's saying, because you want to please him, because you love him so much, because of what he's done for you. So if you are not, in that kind of desiring relationship to know him more to be in his word, to know what his commands are so that you can you can obey and please him John is saying you might, you, you might as well just be quiet saying that you know him because you 're a liar the truth is not in him john seventeen seventeen I go back to the Gospel of John and John says the truth is the word and the word is Jesus. And you can talk it, but if you are not doing what he commands, then he says, you know what? I, I, I believe that we can, we can challenge this. I think we can, we can actually fairly challenge your relationship and your words saying that you know them. And then maybe some of you right now are thinking, well, that's judging someone. No, judging is when you can't see their heart. But when you, when you take a look at what John says here, that if you are not obeying his commands, if your actions, if you haven't changed, if you can't see a difference in the way that you once were and the way you are now because of your salvation and the Holy Spirit's power within you, and, you are, and nothing has changed and you, you act and you think and, and priorities and everything is the same as it used to be. That's noticeable, that's not judging, that's just right up front for all to see. And he says, "If you can speak it, but you don't live it and you don't, you don't really take the time to work this relationship." And it shows because the actions haven't changed a bit, even though maybe some of your words have. That can be fairly challenged. That that kind of got me, and that made me think. It just wonders sometimes how many times haven't I? At least this is what I thought about myself. How many times have I said the words, but my actions haven't changed? So uh, it's just uh, it's just a you know, when you take it slow and you take these verses verse by verse and you take them slowly like we're doing, they are powerful and John is really stepping on our toes. I always kind of thought John, because he was the disciple Jesus loved, John knew about the love of Jesus and, and he understood what Jesus has done in his life, so he writes this letter about love and we're going to get more into that, but No, the love of Jesus steps on your toes sometimes because love will do that when you have veered off course or you haven't even gotten the right understanding of what knowing him is. So we go on and he says, but if anyone obeys his word, I love the way John Jesus always did this too. He kind of lowers the boom. I mean, when he calls, when he says, nye, you, nye, if you say one thing and you do another, well, you know, you're you're a liar and the truth is not even in you. You're listening more to yourself than the truth of God. I mean, that that's a that's a biggie. I mean, that's a slam blast. But then it comes back in verse 5, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. What a contrast. And this is where you and I can look at that and say, well, which one do I want? It's always just one of two choices when it comes to Jesus, because we either say yes to him or we say no. We either say yes, I'll obey his commands, or no, I'll obey myself, or I'll listen to what he says, or no, I'm going to listen to myself. There's always just one of two choices, and here it pretty much says the same thing you've got one of two choices. But look at this if anyone does obey, I know it takes time, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes self-sacrifice, but John is trying to show us, just like Jesus did in the gospel, what what a a different way of life to have, instead of the truth is not even in you, to have God's love complete in you. When God's love is complete in you and I, Can you imagine how that would change us? In our thoughts and in our words and in our actions? This is how we know we are in him. You see, there is a major difference between the two. Whoever claims to live in him See how he says claims. You can claim it and you can say that that's what and who you are. But if you do claim it, then you must walk as Jesus did. I don't think those words are hard to understand. You must walk as Jesus did. Did that sink in? And then he goes on, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. See, there's that word again, beginning. And he's talking about, what beginning is he talking about? The command that you were taught from the beginning doesn't change. And what was that what was that command that John said in John 13 He said in, in verse 34 that this is the new command it's the, the old command is love the lord your god with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself and the new command in the new testament it is, is the same principle. It doesn't change. And and he is pretty much saying, you right from the beginning, you were told that this is a command that God expects, and you must love others as you love yourself. But you also you also need to make sure. Then not only do you love God and your neighbor as yourself but he's saying I want you to love one another but this is how I want you to do it. I want you to do it as I have loved you. He is the example. He's this from the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. You're told that we are to love one another or to love We're to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. But when we do love others, this is that that kind of love that only Jesus could give. He was the demonstrator of this love that can be made complete in us. So John is talking about the old, the new command. God's commands, whether they're from the Old Testament or the New Testament, do not change. I'm writing you a new command. It's, tr- it's truth is seen in him and, and you. The new command is that now you're living it out. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, when you love one another as I have loved you, this this command becomes newer and newer and newer, Because the truth is more and more in you. And this is called the change. You change. It is no longer you. It's Christ living in you. Living out his love completely through you. You think that won't change you? Because John says, look what's happening. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The more that these commands are taken over your life, you have stepped out of the darkness. And the more that you get into your relationship with Jesus, the more true light you're in. And I, I just love that word, I don't know about you, but you're shining. That true light is in you. And the more that you let that true light take over you, and self, which I consider darkness, and the more that you are learning how to push away the darkness, push away self, and you're letting the true light of Jesus shine through you. See, this is why I said I think John is talking to Christians and he's saying, I just gotta keep you on your toes. I can't let you get lax in this. It's so easy to fall back into the self and to darkness. But then but then you're gonna miss out on this true light that wants to overpower the darkness and shine through you. Anyone, he says in verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Anyone. You talk about all-inclusive. Anyone who claims to be in the light, and again, claim. Anybody can claim it. But if you hate your brother... You have an unforgiving spirit. You're holding grudges. You consider yourself a superiority to someone else. Boy, do we need a verse like this today. Anyone who claims to be in the light, anybody who claims to be Christian, who claims to have a relationship with Jesus, but has any of those attitudes, Is still in the darkness. Whoever, whoever loves his brother lives in the light. It's so easy to pass the blame. It's so easy to think that you've got it together and they don't. Um, It's just so easy to make yourself feel better than someone else. Maybe because you have more? Because. Well, I don't know why. Do you think Jesus loves you more? You and I know better than that. So what in the world would make someone claim to be in a right relationship with Jesus and yet hate their brother? They won't forgive. They'll carry the crutch. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Well, you know what? That's too bad. Look what you did. And Jesus loved and saved you anyway. I mean, there is just no comparison. But I don't know how, and I can't. It's too hard. Well, that's why you've been given. That's that's true. You can't, and it is too hard. But that's exactly why you and I were given God's spirit. On the day of our salvation, you talk about a gift to be able to do in us what we can't do for ourselves, and that's why John says, "I want to keep you on your toes. I don't want you to get so lax that you start getting an attitude that you can that you can say that you love Jesus and yet you have these these." attitudes toward other people or you carry this unforgiveness whoever loves his brother lives in the light John is trying to say you, you claim that you are in the right relationship and yet your actions show in your life that you hate or you, you can't forgive or whatever You see, you're not living in the kind of life that Jesus intended, like in John 10.10, that we could have life abundant. No, because when you are living in that kind of spirit, a little less spirit, without the help of the Holy Spirit, and you're holding on to your own reasonings, your own defenses, you're walking in the darkness. You are not reaping the abundant life You're carrying this with yourself. It's like a heavy weight that you shouldn't have to carry. But because you choose to hold on to it, the light just stays there and you're letting the darkness take over. The thing is, we only hurt ourselves when we do that. Because John says, whoever loves his brother lives in the light. Because you know you're doing it right. You're doing it the way Jesus would want you. It's a sense of guilt free. It's a a sense of freedom. That heavy weight isn't there. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. Like and you're not seeing your way clear and it's so easy to stumble because the light has been been stifled. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, he does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. John keeps going, doesn't he? I mean, he just doesn't let that ride with one verse. This same principle, he keeps saying over and over, I want to keep you on your toes. I want God's word to be able to keep convicting you. And if something isn't right, either with your relationship with Jesus or with someone else, let's make it right. You have a choice in this. Do you want to stay in the darkness And do you want to be blinded because you can't see? The darkness will blind you and you can't see. Or do you want to be set free and walk in the light and have the freedom of knowing that you're doing what God has asked you and you're listening to the voice of God's spirit enabling you to do what you can't do for yourself. Here again, John puts the choice before us. Then from verses 12 through 14, he pretty much talks about spiritual maturity. And this is a good time that he he does this. Because he first says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. He says he calls children here because he's saying you have you have come to the cross you have realized your your sinful nature and that Jesus is the only one that can wash your sins away and change you and make you new see that's the beginning that's that's the first step See, that doesn't have much spiritual maturity yet. I mean, you've got to have this step if you want spiritual maturity. But John is making sure that we have been to the beginning. And so he says, Dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, can't you? When when you see a child and you give them some good news, if you tell uh, if you tell one of your kids or one of your grandkids some really good news like guess where we're going or guess what i have or i mean don't you just love to watch their excitement i mean they're so uninhibited they are jumping up and down they are they're doing a the dance Dear children, are we we excited enough about our salvation that, that we take on that kind of, maybe not literally, but in our hearts, we know that that beginning, that beginning saved us from eternal death. And if anything should excite, there's nothing greater than that. I think that's why John says the first step, your sins have been forgiven on account of Jesus. And then in verse 13, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. He's talking to fathers because it's not so much, I don't think it's so much their, well, their smarts. I couldn't quite think of the right word. A deep maturity has roots. And I don't think it has necessarily, I mean, you have to be studying and you've got to be growing in God's word and that but that is what when you're doing that it deepens your relationship it makes the roots grow down farther and farther so i think what i'm trying to say it's he's talking to fathers it's not all intellectual knowledge i mean we need the knowledge But it's more in what did you do with that knowledge? Did you let it sink in and change you? Did you let the spirit work and do his job and deepen that relationship so that you have roots? A father has been through a lot of experiences, a lot of life, and has witnessed the hand of God and his promises. and then john writes to you young men because you have overcome the evil one so first children and then the father and then when he when he talks about when he talks about the young men who are these who are these young men well it's kind of like that middle age group. It's that group that they're no longer children. They've, they've expanded from, from their salvation uh, at the beginning, at the cross. And they're starting to learn and they're starting to grow. But they haven't attained yet what someone who's got deep roots have attained. But there's something very special about this young category because he makes mention because you have overcome the evil one and what do we know, know about overcoming the evil one what does that take it takes a fight you've got to fight because the evil one just so appeals to our flesh and it's so hard to not to resist the temptation so if you're in a battle if you're in a fight are you going to send little children? No. Are you going to send the old people? No. You're going to send in those who still have the stamina, who've grown past the, the, the little children stage, but their bodies are still agile, and they still... I think this is a really neat category. I think they're not quite totally spiritually mature yet but they're on the front line and they have what it takes to engage in, in active service they they've got the momentum they've got they've got the well they've got the energy so John is addressing these three categories and then he repeats himself. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. And here it's the capital F, Father. Because now you know the Father. Because he is the one who gave his son to save you. I write to you, fathers, little f, because you have known him who is from the beginning. You've got those spiritual Roots that are unwavering. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So he repeats that twice. And maybe he's saying to you and I, okay, what category are you in? Because I want you to realize that there's got to be a step one when it comes to your salvation. But I also want you to know that you've got to keep growing up and then you get into that middle class, that young men, where you've got the stamina and the energy and momentum. You've got what it takes to do the hard work. Or are you in that stage of life where well you've lived a lot of life but your spiritual roots have really gone deep and you know who he is and you're confident and I know that I'm probably literally in that category age wise but I think about what we're going through now, and I have to admit that I can see such a change that, that years ago, and I don't know how many, I don't know if VA—if are VA, but even would be that many. But being hit with so many things that we're being hit with right now. In fact, I have one friend who keeps saying to me, Are you nervous? Are you nervous yet? Is it getting to you yet? Are you nervous yet? And I don't know whether she truthfully believes me or not, but no. No, I'm not nervous. And the more I studied this this week, I thought, that's why I'm not nervous. Spiritual maturity will grow and deepen your roots. Then no matter what is shaking around you, you know that your God still sits on the throne. And because of what we have studied in the Revelation, we know how this all ends. And when you are one of His, well, maybe you have to go back and and go over Revelation again because that's the hope book to show you what you and I have yet to come. No, I'm not nervous. And then John goes, do not love the world. See, he's stepping on her toes again. He's saying, I don't want you to get lax or lazy. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now he is not saying don't go out and look at creation and marvel. He's talking about what is the world and that is just a rebellion against God. That is ignoring God. Maybe you don't feel like you are rebelling against God. But maybe you're just not putting him in his proper place. Maybe you aren't giving him the time. Maybe you go about your life and you're ignoring him. You don't really give him the time of day. Oh, you gave him that five minutes this morning. But your walk isn't that committed, step-by-step walk with him. Because it's so easy to listen to the news. It's so easy to listen to the advice of everything and everyone else. And I'm talking to Christians just like John was talking to Christians. Do not love the world or anything in the world. See, God's road and the world's road are two totally different roads, and they never have a cross point. They never come together, ever. You're either on God's road, or you're on the world's or self road. And the thing is, they're going totally in opposite directions, and they'll totally land you in the opposite destination. So John, very clearly, do not love the world or anything in the world. What is that? The world's philosophy. The world's system and how they teach. No, we're being taught by God's word. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I know I'm pretty black and white here but I think John is black and white. I don't think he gives us room for gray. For everything in the world the cravings of sinful man the lust of his eyes the boasting of what he has and does does not does not come from the father but the world. If you're wrestling with cravings, cravings of this sinful nature, and boy, that's, that's a multitude of things, stuff things, even health, you crave this earthly world and earthly body the lust of the eyes, the boasting, do you know that when you and I are in a right walking relationship, we have a whole different idea of sin we don 't even we don 't even want to go there we don 't want to disappoint them in fact, all of a sudden. You don't have that love for doing what you want because you know it's going to take you down the wrong path. You no longer brag about all your things that you can do, that you want to prove to people your worth. In fact, you don't even want to enjoy because sin can be very fun want to do that anymore. This is what John's saying. You have to see that there's a difference in, in, the, in where you walk with who you're walking. Take a look and see where your eyes are looking, what your body wants to do with the lust of your eyes. And that's just ne- not necessarily sexual. It's, I I want, I want. I want. And he's saying, that that kind of desire does not come from the Father. That comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. That verse alone should help you make the right choice. We always say, well, you can't take it with you. John puts it this way. The world and its desires pass away. We heard John say in the Revelation that the old order of things is going to be gone. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. See, God has always said, you got two choices here think that all your fun and games and living for yourself and put all your eggs in that basket, well, then go for it. But you will not live with me. Now that, see, this is the black and white. This is what choice do you want to make? Do you want to make the effort to live in that walking right relationship? And do the will of God because you and I can live forever with him. And then he says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And just taking a look at what that word a minute Antichrist. That pretty much says it, doesn't it? It's your anti, you are against Christ. And maybe you don't even say, well, I'm not against him. If you are not living for him, if you don't know him, if you're not in that relationship with him, then yes, you're against Christ. Because what does Christ demand? He demands our all. He demands us to deny ourselves and follow Him. And this is not easy to do. And that's why John is addressing Christians saying this is hard work. And it's so easy to, to fall into your old self and your old ways if you don't stay committed and strong in the Word. Keep that truth in you. He says in verse nineteen This is how we know it is the last hour. Because there's so many Antichrists. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. Boy. You know there's some people that can be in church every Sunday. But maybe when push turns to shove, when things really start, when we have to start really making a black and white choice on our relationship with Jesus, there's some that are just going to leave and say, and like John says, they went out from us. But you know what? They really, they really didn't belong to us. Because if you really belong to Jesus, You want to stay and grow and mature in that relationship. You don't jump ship when the, when the times get tough. When you're confronted with temptation or adversity or suffering. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us but they 're going but their going showed that none of them really belong to us, but you but you have an anointing from the Holy One. How do you know because so many people can claim but if you 've been to the cross if you if you have taken that walk to Calvary and you realize your need for a savior, you were given His Spirit, the Anointed One, the Holy One. So John turns it back again in the positive. But you, you who have remained, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth. Because no lie comes from the truth. He is really centering in on the Christian, the real Christian, the one who is utilizing God's spirit, who's working at God's word, who's listening to God's voice speak through that word. That's truth. And you want to live in that truth. You don't want to live in that lie. But he's saying, I've got to keep checking you. I wish that once we were saved we were all just totally sanctified. And sin never bothered us again. That self never raised its ugly head again. But John is pretty honest and he's saying, no, i got to bring you back to realize that you have drifted away. You've got a little too lax and you need to take this more seriously. You've got to work at this walk. You don't want lies to live in you. You want to be able to say with all confidence that the truth lives in you and your life proves it. Who is a liar? Verse 22, it is the man who denies that that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. John has taken the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Remember how many times in the Gospel of John Jesus said, I and the Father are one. When you know me, you know the Father. That relationship with, the, with Almighty God, the three in one, He's reassuring us that, that this relationship that we need all three persons, the Father because we were lost and, and needed to be brought back, Jesus the Son because he was the one willing to be the sacrifice, and the Holy Spirit that whispers in our ear to lead and guide us, and that commands the way we are to live because we are now not our own, but we belong to our faithful Savior. Verse 24, again, John reiterates the words of Jesus from John 15. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. What you have heard from the beginning about Jesus saving you, dying for you, took the place for you, took what you deserved and made it him, his. Made it on him. Make sure that that gospel message that you heard at the beginning remains in you because that will be your your pathway, that lighted up pathway that you walk forward on that you will grow and get farther down the way that means you spiritually grow and get farther in your walk with him and if it does remain in you you also remain in the son and in the father that should be such a goal that we remain in him that we abide in him and he abides in us and this is what he promised us This is what he promised us. He promised this. He promised us eternal life. He will so make it worth our while. I am writing these things to you. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And they are everywhere. They might have been a group of people when John was writing this letter. But let me tell you, people who are trying to lead us astray are everywhere in this world. Trying to get us to be fearful and to doubt, to take away our blessed assurance. To to maybe let us think that maybe we don't quite have a handle on our future like we thought. That you better care for me, myself, and I because no one else is. Oh, it's okay that you're not okay. Oh, those are things you want to hear. That, that's your itching ears want to hear stuff like that. And John is keeping us on our toes and he's saying, you better be careful because there are people who are trying to lead you astray. And as for you, just remember this. You don't even have to be afraid that there are people trying to lead you astray because you and I, we have the anointing. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. You don't have to listen to the world's philosophies and the world's ways because you have been given the words from the Almighty One who has claimed you as His own, who through His word keeps anointing you with truth. It's not that he's saying, Oh, you don't need any you don't need to be taught anything. No, we need more teaching of God's word, but we don't need any teaching from outside of God's word. We don't. I've heard you tell me every week that I believe every word's true, it's God's word, and it's all that I need. Then how come we jump ship and think we need it? all the words of every other thing? He said, no, you don't have to be taught by anything else than this book. And you have the anointing of God's very spirit on you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, is there anything in this world that you can say is real and not counterfeit? For sure, clear through? Just as it has taught you. It's kind of like he was talking just us because we just went through the Gospel of John and we learned that. So he's pretty much saying, just as it has taught you, now you learned it. Now remain in him. Remain in him. And then in closing, and now, dear children. I think John keeps calling all of us dear children because we do need to continue to mature. That we are less and less tempted to fall back to our emotions and the things of this world. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, because he's going to, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. When we are living in the right relationship with Jesus, we when he comes back, and we are face to face, that old hymn, face to face with Christ our Savior. Hmm. That is true. When we are face to face with him, because we worked at this and we desired to, to walk with him, because of what he did for us that we could never do for ourselves, We can stand before him with confidence and not ashamed. If you know, if you know that he is righteous and he is the only one who is righteous, but yet when we come to him, he lives in us, he makes us right. He makes us righteous. The capital R righteous one is willing to come and live inside of you and I and help us to live right. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. Don't you want to be in that category? Don't you want people to be able to look at you and know you're not counterfeit, you're the real thing? Because his love has been made complete in you. And because you have pushed aside the darkness and self, you have let the light shine through you. I just have to I have to end with that verse of scripture that that keeps reminding us how wide how wide Jesus love is for you and me. It's so wide that he's willing to include anyone and everyone. It's so long, his love is so long that it will last through all eternity. It's so deep that it can and will reach to the most guilty of sinners. And it's so high that that love will take you and I right to heaven to be with him forevermore. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of these words. Thank you that John is working so hard at keeping us on our toes that we need to stay in our Bibles. We need to have that truth remaining in us. Father, we want to be real, not counterfeit. We want to stay in that relationship with you. We want to be step by step with you. We want all of our thoughts our works, and our actions to be you. And it's all possible because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.